Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> I think I've done more for the black community than any other president. And let's take a pass on Abraham Lincoln because he did good, although it's always questionable. You know, in other words, the end result. Well, we are free, Mr. President. But we, we are did free. Pretty well. You understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, welcome. Hi there, and thanks for listening to Faithful Politics. We're a podcast that finds the intersectionality between issues of faith and politics and tries to unpack them in an easy-to-understand and pragmatic way. I'm your politics host, Will Wright, and I'm joined by the faithful pastor of Short Pump Community Church. Josh never met a Pokemon card I didn't like, Bertram. If this is your first time listening, we're excited you're here, and if you're a returning listener, we just think you should probably go get that checked out. Now, <laughs> we, we're joined today with a special guest. Actually, this is just a special episode all around um, for two reasons. One, we're doing it live, so I'm actually staring at Josh at this moment. Socially distant. Socially distance. Um, Ish. Ish. Yeah, we are, we are exactly three meters um, apart. That's for my European friends. Um, for my American friends, that would be 24 feet. Um, but we have a special guest. Don't worry about Matt. <laughs> yeah, and that 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 voice that you just heard is from um, our friend, our buddy, Capadre. His name is Phil McKinney. Um, he hails from the great state of what? Virginia. Virginia. He's yeah. our resident redneck. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, Phil was nice enough to open up his home to us so that way we can actually record this um, episode live because currently Josh and I are homeless. Um, yes. So, so and our wives are with... Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts yeah. and prayers. Our, our wives are with our kids right now and, and we just wanted to know, guys, that we've been suffering in here and, and it's been really hard and... Terrible. Yeah, it's just... Um, thanks for... Thanks for... Um, anyway. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Well, um, on this on this week's episode, we um, hope to talk about um, a couple different things. One, talk about defunding the police, uh, maybe what that's all about, and then also um, discuss a little bit more about sort of the church's role, kind of in everything that's going on, because it definitely seems like we're in a, we're in a bit of a uh, bit of a time for sure. So, um, but. Before we do all that, uh, let me just ask each of one of you guys. How you guys doing? You guys doing all right? You're a uh, guest, Phil. What's yeah. going oh, on in your world? And, and I, sh- I, should let, I should let you know, Phil, that, that the uh, the listeners can't see you nodding your head. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? I'm not certain that's how this works, Will. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, things are things are good. Yeah. No complaints, you know. How, uh, do you, how do you feel about all that's going on, the... That's George, a loaded question. The the George Floyd stuff, you know, all the riots, protesting, like how yes. are Also, who are you going to vote for? Yeah. Oh yeah. And what's your social security number? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So first of all, the social. Get your pens out. Get ready for this here. <laughs> five 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 five. That's it. That's it. I'll give you the bank account number and the pen, but you might be disappointed at what you can get out. So, <laughs> at your own risk. Um, 
No, I'm I'm doing I'm doing well. It has been a it's been a I mean I think everyone knows it's been an interesting time in the last uh, I guess since Memorial Day with you know death of George Floyd and everything that's come from that. Um, I imagine we may touch on that in more depth here later on or may not, but um, it, it has been eye opening for me to say the least. Uh, like Josh joked, I'm the you know the resident redneck here, but. Uh, I am kind of a redneck. I live out in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, fairly conservative guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I will say that the, uh, you know, the George Floyd death, but the stories and, and things that I've heard from having conversations with friends of mine that are, um, you know, African American or, um, yes, things I've read on Facebook has really helped me kind of open my eyes a little bit about the idea of white privilege and and um, you know some of the, the things that Black Life Black Lives Matter uh, stands for. So it has been definitely an eye-opening experience for me. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And what, what about you, Josh? How's, uh, how's your week going? How's the church? Yeah, things are going really well. Um, we've continued to have our gatherings every Saturday night on Zoom, and that's been a lot of fun. And you and I have been talking, um, Will and I have been talking about making some kind of connection here um, to the church, maybe some kind of uh, Zoom call, maybe midweek or something, for people who have a uh, have questions or interested, and we're uh, definitely thinking about that, talking about that. So just uh, stay tuned. Something like that will come out here in the next um, few weeks. But I've been doing well. I had a call with my brother and sister in law last night just to talk about you know, everything going on and and the heaviness of everything going on it's interesting because we talked about taking like a social media fast um or at least taking a break like a sabbath so in the in in the christian and in jewish tradition the sabbath is like a 24-hour period of time that you essentially rest from your work and it's interesting because social media has become more of a part of my work than anyone would have ever imagined you know in in generations past but i do feel like man i need to take a break every now and then like i don't know how you do it dude like you amaze me how like will um how you keep like posting stuff because i get in a few of these like you know kind of debates online and i'm exhausted dude i'm like about ready to give up dude i'm like you know what dude i can't even think about this anymore josh is ready to go back to my space yeah dude my space <laughs> it is dude that's like the best <laughs> but you know, I, I have been thinking about that. And just for, you know, it's such an intense time. I think for everyone, it's okay if we give ourselves like 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever, just to take a break that we don't have to look at the news 24-7. We don't have to respond to every post on Facebook, you know. We don't have to do that. Like, I think we should be informed but man, it can really affect your mental health. Like it's really, it's kind of crazy it really how can. much it can. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, uh, probably six months ago, um, or if maybe, if not a year, I did a, um, I did a Trump tweet fast. <laughs> where, so, so like, so like in Twitter, you That's can, awesome. you can set your notifications to like be notified whenever they tweet something. So, so generally like most of the tweets I have, um, notify me or just reporters that were for Congress or White House correspondents or something like that. Well, um, I also follow the president um, just because I think it's important. He uses Twitter a lot. I think yes. as Americans, we should just be aware of what he's saying. Um, but it just got to me. 
I mean, it, it's one of those things where I would like, and for those that follow me on Facebook, um, you know, I would, I would screenshot it and post it. And then I would have people ask me, that's not real. And I'm like, no, no, I was one of those people. I, several times, I said, well, this is a funny joke. Where'd you find that? Oh, okay, that was, yeah. okay, from our head of state. Yeah, it's the guy that has the nuclear codes. That's the guy that can unilaterally launch a nuclear missile at any time he wants. Um, you know, so so about a year ago, I, I, I decided to do a, a, a Trump tweet fast, and... And I, 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 I hate to say it, or maybe I don't hate to say it, but like I felt better. Like I, I felt like a better human being by not knowing what it is that he tweets. And 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 it was at that moment that I realized that if he didn't have a Twitter account, he would probably win in twenty twenty. Mm. Uh, because I think he has this unique ability to shoot himself in the foot when when he really should just stay quiet. I mean, so think think think, think for instance, like. Like the Joe Biden comment, you know, you ain't black. I mean, he could have written that comment for a while and just, and just been like, he could have gone dark and, and just let the media just keep eating him up. But no, he had a sort of tweet about the 75-year-old Antifa guy that has brain injury that got pushed to the ground in Buffalo, you know? That, that was not a win. Going down that path. <laughs> it's, it's like... Oh, it's, boy. I mean, I, I don't necessarily like the president i respect him he is our president but but at the same time sometimes i'm just like dude come on you know like i want to like you i really do want to like you i was almost going to vote for you in 2016 um because i saw you come down those escalators and i was like hey this ought to be interesting you know like just this outsider i didn't really care for any of the republicans that were running and then he just started to kind of be very crass and i was i don't know if i could support this guy yeah that's hard, man. Yeah, I've had the same kind of thing happen. Just with like looking at different tweets, like you have those pundits on the left and the pundits on the right. And if you listen to any one of those, like it just gets you start to really like look at the world like mm-hmm. through a bad lens. Yeah. So true. every now and then you got to watch like watch bunnies or something like that. <laughs> well, you know that they. <laughs> They they say, you know, um, liberals take his tweets seriously, not literally, but Republicans take his tweets literally, not seriously. So, so like, like I do kind of understand why one side just sort of blows a gasket when he tweets stuff, and the other side's like, eh, you know, he's just speaking his mind, <laughs> you know, because it's just a matter of perspective. Um, and, it, and it's almost like I see the same thing going on with this whole like defund the police thing uh, those on the right are taking that seriously um right. not literally but those on the left are 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 taking it more literally figuratively if nothing else um um so so the whole defund the police i, do, I definitely see there there's some there's some crossover but, but what, what do you guys think about that whole defund the police thing stay with us we'll be right back Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, the Faith Roundtable, where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith and public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing 
to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. Honestly, I'm a little bit confused about it, like what it actually means. Because I look at it and I've like looked at the things from like looked at Camden, New Jersey. And I guess they dismantled the police department and then they hired just about everyone back. And then it was just like a different philosophy or something like that. So I'm not sure what's going to replace it. I think many people are like, I'm not sure. Like I was down at a protest and this guy was talking and I was, I just been there praying with people and kind of just being a part of this moment in American history. I think it's important. And I saw this guy on the loudspeaker and he's talking. He's like, look, we want to defund the police and dismantle them. And everyone's like, yeah. It's like, and then he goes, and what that means, no, we're going to figure that out. You <laughs> <laughs> have to pass the bill before you can know what's in it, right? That, that's the precedent we're going off of. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, dude, like, okay, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm all for reform if I know what it means. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of, like, I'm kind of, you're just like, kind of, and I, and probably me and Phil are very similar in that. And not, well, you are too, but I think with us, we're just two middle-class white Americans. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like, okay, cool. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'll no, let no. you speak up. But like, okay, yeah, do it. Yeah, I can. But what does that mean? Right. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, help me understand it. I don't know, and, Phil. And what I, would you add? For me, I mean the the um, the idea of the whole defund police. Of course, everything I've, I've I've read some things online from you know little snarky memes and, and tweets to more in depth articles. And it, it, I mean, it seems a lot of people say, okay, first of all defund the police is not like dismantle strike down and, and you know don't replace or whatever but it's reduce funding and it's uh you know change the what things will respond for so the police would not respond necessarily for uh all a domestic dispute or some like mental health crisis or something to that effect um and i guess i can see the benefit in, in that i mean you know police off i mean if there's a better person that can go out there and assist i'm all for it um, but at the same time, I'm, I have a hard time getting behind it. I mean, I've literally never had a negative interaction with a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm sure I've gotten been pulled over. I've had, you know, discussions with them. I, I don't know, but I've never had a, ne- never had what I would consider a negative interaction. Um, and, and the people that I know that are police officers, I, I think very high love. I don't, I don't feel that they're, uh, you know, bad cop or, or whatever. Um, there's obviously needs to be some change and some reform, I don't know what it is. I don't know that screaming defund the police is going to... I don't know if that gets us there, but I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what all it entails uh, practically and how it would actually help or make a difference. Yeah. Well, um, if you if you would just humor me for a moment, I'll, I'll be your proverbial Tim Scott in this situation. <laughs> um, he's, for those that don't... He's the only black uh, GOP senator... <laughs> That's sort of been tasked by Mitch McConnell to kind of figure things out. <laughs> so you need to figure this all out. So, <laughs> so let me. Uh, which, which fun fact, by the way. I mean, he's he's one of of only ten black senators that have ever uh, served in Congress since its founding back in the eighteen hundreds. Sometime. Really? Um, so right now there's wow. there's a total of four. Um, there's uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. 
Tim Scott, and there's one more that is failing me right now. So Republicans are one for ten. Actually, because like the the very first black senator was a Republican, because this is back. This is back. This is back. This this is back in the day where where you know like a lot of Republicans say yeah you know but but we freed the slaves and I'm like hey that's awesome now name something more current. You know? <laughs> they, they'd rather refer back to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we freed the slaves. <laughs> it's, it's like, is that your, is that your, you know, quote unquote, Trump card? No, I guess, is that, is that the card you're playing? You know where you're going, you got to know where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well with, with regard to defund the police, I, I wanted to actually try to, like, I did my own bit of research to try to find out if there is kind of like a um, unified, definition message around it and it was it was hard to find i mean it's basically trying to find out you know it's it's the same thing like trying to find out who the leader of antifa is you know it's hard to find like you can just sort of close your eyes and point your fingers everywhere and maybe you'll 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 find somebody but they're not on linkedin no yeah yeah yeah. they they they, they haven't registered their 501c3 or did the grand wizard like their thing on uh LinkedIn. Well, the um, the the best explanation I could find was actually on the Black Lives Matter um, dot com website. Um, on their website, they say we call for a national defunding of police. We demand investment in our communities and the resources to ensure Black people not only survive but thrive. If you're with us, add your name to the petition right now. Help us spread the word. It's time for our cities and states to hashtag defund the police and hashtag invest in communities so you know i it's not necessarily succinct or i i, I don't know like like you could take it you could take it seriously and say we want to nationally defund the police you know and demand investment in communities which is basically what what they're saying you know, so, but it, there's a lot of different levels to defunding the police. I mean, you know, so, so most, most police precincts are, are local, you know, city council manages their, their budgets and they kind of decide, you know, what's what, I think that's what they're doing right now in Minneapolis. So the city council just voted veto, veto majority, um, a veto proof majority. And they actually want to defund the police. Something similar they kind of did at Campton, although I, I don't know if that's really good ex- similarities because they they didn't do it under the same pretenses that people are calling for now it was more mm-hmm. of a, like the 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 city actually just was running out of money basically and, and <laughs> with, with the camden thing did it basically like the county kind of stepped in the field of police services do i have that wrong is that what happened there um i don't i don't know all the details so okay. I, don't, I don't want to necessarily speak on That's that fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but you know the it seems like the the chorus of voices surrounding the defund the police movement are saying a couple different things. One, yeah, we just want to get rid of the police. Uh, basically, I think that's sort of what the model is down in Seattle with the CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Um, they're basically cording off like six or so blocks um, and just trying to kind of create their own little commune, so to speak, which... Coming from Washington, I think that's very uniquely Washington. So, like, hey, more power to you. You know, like, just don't hurt people, you know. <laughs> and if, <laughs> if like, something goes wrong, like, 
call the police, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm all for peaceful protest and, you know, unusual protest and really kind of just appreciating sort of the spirit of Seattle. Like, Hey, like I said, knock, knock yourself out. Well, I have a question about that. Um, did the, what, what was that process, if you know, for them actually taking over that space? Cause there, I see a lot of, I was talking to my brother-in-law about it. And and I, w- I was texting with him. I've been going back and forth with him a, no- a lot right now. He's African American, and we're talking back and forth, just like he's one of the guys I really trust uh, um, when he and I are talking in this, and feel like I can be completely myself with them. Which you know, sometimes you don't feel like you can do that. Um, and what he was saying is like, because he lives there in Seattle, and he was like, it just almost feels like it's more like of an an art. Like there, like th- there's a lot of good art that's happening there. There's a lot of, like it's almost like this free, like almost like a Woodstock kind of like <laughs> environment. And apparently, like the mayor, like just kind of backed off. But I don't know what. Do, what do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, the mayor seems to kind of um, support the movement, which is a little bit unusual, but. Kind of Seattle too, isn't it? Yeah, well, but I, 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 I think she's sort of supporting the movement because she's been accused of gassing and rubber bulleting her own folks during the protest. Um, so, I mean, like, well, what else? What would you say? You know, like, like our guy in Richmond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so on, on one side, I think her response is so proportional to the level of peace that she wants to maintain. Now, I, I don't necessarily think it's good when people are, you know violently protesting and, you know, taking over the police precinct or something like that. I think there's better ways to probably show your disdain for something. But um, but <laughs> I definitely don't think that Trump should call in, like, you know, the F-35s <laughs> or something like that and, and drop, like, you know, guided missiles or something. Is that, that what he's that saying? That may be unnecessary. No. <laughs> well, that may be unnecessary. As of the time of recording this podcast, I don't believe that's what he's saying. Because so. I, I only get my news from you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I, I, I do want to preface that, that I am not 100% certain that has not occurred at the time of recording this. Um, but, Just Twitter. Hold on. But, but you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, so there's this um, Yale law professor named James Foreman. He wrote this book. <clears throat> called a locking up our own um and he he sort of echoes i think what a lot of people have been saying is that you know the phrase defund the police is just super loaded and you know the i'm always of the mindset if you have to really kind of go out of your way to explain what a what a um phrase or um a motto is that you're kind of already lost you know yeah um i mean just 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 think about all the political you know slogans you've heard like make america great again you know um hope and change like from obama you know that there's there's a lot of like different slogans that just kind of speak for themselves you know um um i'm with her i don't really know about that one (laughs) but 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 they they have this like um apparently i guess they pull certain slogans and like the defund the police um slogan it like pulled it like I don't know like thirteen percent or something like that. Like I don't I don't I don't really know how that works, but I, I read that they did pull it and pulled pretty low. Um, so so anyways, this this law professor James Foreman he 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 
he mentioned in this interview that he's really concerned about the phraseology of it, but he's he's thrilled that people are at least taking the conversation about this seriously and is kind of opening up sort of like these whole like different doors of conversation that weren't open before. Um, one of which is, you know, under policing and over policing. Cause like in the, in the sixties, there was, um, quite a bit of under policing in, in black communities, which caused more crime and, um, several liberal organizations sort of like brought it to the forefront and filed lawsuits in order to get more police protection. <laughs> so, so like, it's weird, you know, that, that, you know, that there's this balance of like, okay, we don't want to be over police, but we don't want to be under police. So kind of what's the right sort of balance, you know, that, that you can have. And then, you know, so, so, so from my standpoint, like I can understand the defund the police, um, like movement and kind of what it represents. Um, I haven't necessarily solidified a, a position on it just quite yet, just because I, I'm, I'm just still sort of mulling it over. Um, but where, where I do see it has value is say, for instance, with, um, <clears throat> like think of like our national budget, think of like how much we spend on defense. You know, we spend a lot, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, you know, um, uh, we buy new warplanes, warships, so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> which, which is all fine, you know, greatest military in the world, so on and so forth, you know, but but uh, would we still need that much money if we spent more on the State Department and diplomacy, you know? Right. And because right now we spend, I, I looked at it just today, it's like $52 billion a year on, on the State Department funds. So our diplomats out there doing the good work for the United States, you know? Um, and that's basically kind of like how the defund the police thing is, is sort of structured. They're saying, hey maybe we don't need to spend as much money on policing if we were to invest more in like social programs, like, you know, getting the homeless off the street, you know, <laughs> like you wouldn't have to send a police out there to get them off the street, you know, or, or if there's like a domestic abuse situation, you know, maybe the police goes with a social worker or something like that. I mean, I, I've always like, after all this kind of started happening, I was just thinking like, well, what would I want a police officer to do that would like make me feel good? You know, if I'm if I'm out and about and I thought, well, what if police officers all carry like light bulbs? So when someone has a, a taillight that's out, they would actually just change their taillight, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would that would just totally revolutionize. I think how we police in this country when people are like, oh, good, there's a there's a cop, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like maybe he'll help me change my taillight, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but but instead, like, we all freak out and we get nervous and some people get shot, you know, when, when they get pulled over. So um, I think it's it's um, it's an interesting sort of like concept. And and the 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 good thing, I guess, if there is sort of a light at the end of the tunnel, it, this is kind of going off the defund the police thing a little bit, but it's, it's still kind of part of it is that there are some bills in Congress dealing with crime that are getting attention that wouldn't normally get attention. So, um, you know, there's different crime bills that are talking about police tactics and use of force, you know, like not cho using chokeholds and no-knock warrants and, and whatnot. Um, yet at the same time, there was, there was a, a bill that died in the Senate that would have made lynching a federal crime 
and, and it got shot down by Rand Paul. Can you, just for my benefit, maybe for people that hadn't heard, I, I, I saw some something on Facebook about, you know, Rand Paul, and he defeated this bill, and it was, you know, this emotional thing. I, what was his reasoning for that? Did he elaborate? He, he, he basically said that it was like, you know, he didn't want some, like somebody to inadvertently trip somebody and, and then they go to jail for a lynching or something. <laughs> so, so, trip them, like, I don't understand. There's a rope nearby and they trip them in. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Well, it, it, it's, it, it's like the, the, the lynching doesn't always necessarily have to be like with a noose. It's sure, just, it's just okay, like sure, targeting yeah. somebody for their race, you know. Sure. And, and, the, and the bill was actually, it was called the Emmett Till bill where it was a 14-year-old that was accused of raping yeah. this white girl and he got electrocuted. You know, the 14 year old black guy, you know, Um, and it's a pretty horrible thing. And, you know, I, 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 I'm off and on with Rand Paul because um, I think he's consistent with sort of his voting records on stuff, especially when it comes to spending. So I can appreciate that. But I don't think there's any reason why he should have stopped the bill. Um, Like there have been over 200 bills introduced in Congress, um, I think since like 1960, and not a single one has ever passed. So for... For anti-lynching? For anti- to make to make lynching a federal crime. In the mm. States. Lynching meaning meaning like hate crime? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's 2020 for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah. Like, and the fact Pretty that, hard to believe. that it's not a federal crime yet, and it's and it's stopped, you know? Like, like th- that should upset all Americans, you know? And, right. And it's just like, I, I, I don't even know what to say, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just horrible. Like, like, you know, Congress do your job kind of thing. Mm. So... So that's that's kind of how I feel about defund the police. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that. So what I'm hearing you say, Will, is it's kind of like like the choice of words defund the police is as unclear for most people as to what that means. And so when you're talking about the slogan, this choice of phraseology makes to the average person who doesn't understand the issues and doesn't really understand the history, but you're a lot of people, they'd be like, uh, I don't want to defund the police because I want to be able to call the police if someone's breaking into my house. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or I want to, you know, or, or if someone's like, I want to, I want to be able to call emergency services. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just saying for the average, a lot, I mean, I guess average, I cannot speak for everybody. My guess is most people here, a lot of people here defund the police, and they're like, so what am I going to do if I'm in an emergency? Or if I'm being attacked, or if I'm being robbed, or someone's in my house, or some, what am I going to do? And so what I'm hearing you say is that the slogan itself is almost like it's, it's complicated, but at least it's getting, at least it's getting the conversation started. Mm-hmm. And what defund the police actually means... Is on a spectrum, ranging from some people maybe that are extreme or like get rid of all police, mm-hmm. and then other people are like, no, let's just take some money, reroute it other places, let's give better training, whatever, let's kind of you know dismantle so to speak, and then quickly rehire under another system. Yeah, but there's still a police force that can arrest and things like that. Yeah, do you I, think that's correct? I think that's correct. I think I think you. Labeling as a spectrum is is probably accurate because there are people that 
kind of like in the Capitol Hill district in Seattle, like they they don't want any police in kind of their their six block radius. So maybe to some of those folks, um, defund the police really means like defund the police, like no no money given to the police. Um, but for others, it's like okay, like we can we can allocate our resources better, you know. And I would I would encourage everybody listening that like you should go to your local county's website and look at their their published um, annual budgets and just actually see for yourself like how much are they spending on public safety and how much are they spending on social programs and you could probably get a pretty good sense yourself on sure like, yeah on how how the money is being allocated. And then look at, you know, other areas that you might see in the news, you know, so you could look at Minnesota, for instance, and see how their, how their resources are allocated, you know, because maybe if you live in an area where maybe you've got a pretty good relationship with your police department, you know, maybe that their funding is sort of commensurate with the level of crime in the, in the city, and maybe they've got better social programs, you know, so um, it might actually be a really good experiment and you guys can, um, you know, email us. But the last thing I'll say is, you know, to any listener out there that um, is a musician or a rapper, I would highly encourage you guys to make a song called Fund the Police. <laughs> like, like it, it, it'd be like, you know, NWA song, like, with the, same, the same letters, but like, oh yes, I'm with you. <laughs> you can hear it now. F U N D. It is a four letter word. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so that's my challenge to all of our fun. The police fun. coming fun. straight from the underground. <laughs> so, anyways, oh, uh, but but you know, m- m- moving on, kind of to a to a, a different a different topic. I know that um, our last podcast. Um, we had some listeners that wanted to kind of get your take, Josh, on um, kind of the the I don't know the the use of the Bible as a photo op and Bible Gate, and the protesters that were peacefully pushed out of Lafayette Square, and I and I and I hope that most of our listeners now are all kind of on the same page. Where at first I was like, well, do they? Do they fire tear gas, you know, or no? Like, is is tear gas, is is um, is it a chemical? Is it a chemical gas? You know, like, they're sort of splitting hairs trying to figure out, like, um, what, like, is capsaicin really a chemical, you know? So, um, what but, is the definition of it is? Yeah, yeah. And, and, what is is? And now it seems like there's kind of some universal consensus that, okay, that what they did was wrong. There was, like, 89 national intelligence generals that came out with a letter basically condemning the act. Um, General Tilly, the Joint Chiefs, um, basically came out and said, hey, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been rolling with Trump down Lafayette Square. Um, there, there's there been sort of like global condemnation of that event um, and all just for a photo op revolving around Trump holding the Bible. Um, so I, I'd love to kind of get your take as a pastor. <laughs> like, like what, what, do you, what do you think about that? So... When it comes to Trump, I have been one of those guys that's like, okay, what are his policies as opposed to his personal, you know, his personal life, his personal um, ideas and what he says. And, and I know that to some people they're going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. 
you know, how can you separate someone from what they personally think? And I agree with that for sure. But I would point out that the same argument is used for abortion in Democrats who are Catholic or who disagree. They would say, well, publicly, I will go with the policy, but privately, I'm against it. Biden has said that, as, as he not. I, um, different uh, Democratic governors and politicians in the past have said that. I've heard that said. And then on the Republican side, they're like, well, how can you say that? And so it's just interesting how the, how the roles reverse so much back and forth. But when I saw that, I didn't really know what to think. Now, I look, if you're going to ask me, gun to my head, <laughs> do I think Trump is, is a <laughs> Trump, gun to my head? Yeah. Is Trump a Christian? I would say probably not. <laughs> now, now, look. I am not I am not his judge. Yeah. I'm not a savior. Mm-hmm. I'm not going I just say from what I've seen, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that he's I again, I uh, appreciate and support many of his policies, many of the judge like the the um, appointments he's made um, and the judges which I consider some of the most important things, um, even in terms of voting, some of the most important things. Uh, to consider uh, the president's power to appoint judges and how much they, how much influence they have over our country. Um, Unless it's Obama and, and he had an appointment his last year of uh, his presidency. That is true. <laughs> yeah, you need to wait to let the next guy take hey, care of it. You know what? We got to let the next guy do it. <laughs> hey, you know, we'll see if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> we'll see what oh, happens yeah. to her yeah. in the next few months. Anyway, we won't go there. Um, but no, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, but I, so I think that he, long story short, man, I'm trying to skate around the issue, but I didn't, I honestly, yeah, I was concerned, man. I was concerned. Um, number one, using this kind of force against American citizens, um, unless there's clear reason to do so, um, and and compel, not just clear reason, but compelling reason to do so to me seems at a minimum unwise, if not just like just a, a really, really, really bad decision. Um, I don't know what went into that. I don't like none of us know. That's the reality. Guys can come out, they can say things to the media, but none of us know what the conversations were when you're in a high stakes situation, when you're in places where adrenaline's going, it, Decisions can happen very quickly, like we've like in our conversation with Officer Kidd Mm -hmm. and what that what came out in that was, you know, when you're in a high adrenaline situation, like split second things can happen. And so maybe they think, hey, we've given them, you know, warnings or what. I I don't know what happened. It was really unfortunate, Um, you know. Different, uh, uh, different presidents, I guess, have done the same kind of pose. Is that correct? Thought I saw something with Clinton in front of there with a Bible. Probably not. Not not under the same circumstances. Yeah, probably not preceded with gas and. No doubt about that. No (laughs) doubt about that. Um, So I don't. um, It's it's almost like it's like the the picture, the the picture wouldn't bother me. I mean, obviously like he's, right. he's got a goal. It's not the picture, it's what happened. Yeah, it's it's what it's what 
allow the picture to be taken. It shouldn't have happened. That's you know? my take. And and like I was so I was watching it on CNN. Uh, don't judge me, but like but CNN had a good like split screen where they show the the peaceful protesters and him giving his rose garden speech and like. I mean, they, 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 they couldn't have timed it better. Uh, Trump was saying, I support peaceful protesters. But on the <laughs> other screen, you see, like, like whatever law enforcement globbing, like, you know, tear gas or something out into the crowd, you know. And, and um, you know, it, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, like, well, you don't really know what was really going on. Maybe there's something going on, you know, like. Like, like I looked at a map because, like, I read sort of the Park Police report when they say, "Oh, we didn't do anything," and I was looking at sort of the the street addresses they were given, and they're like, "Well, you know, there was some protests, some violent on H Street," and I'm like, "H Street is long." Like, I looked on a Google Map thing, and I, and I was like, <laughs> "Like, they need to give me like more specific like right. instructions on where it this occurred." But then they retracted and said, "Well, we were mistaken when we said that," you know, like, and and uh, you know, I follow a lot of reporters on Twitter, and I, I was following some reporters that were there. They're like, "Yeah, I just got tear gas in my eye, and I can't see," you know, and so just on the ground level. You know, it it was just it was just horrible. I mean, it just really really bad. But um, yeah, it's really disturbing, man. It's really disturbing to see the state of our country and to see that our president is using that kind of force against uh, against citizens. Um, that is disturbing. Yeah, I wish that I I I don't like that at all. So, I don't like it at all. So how like how should I feel like I, I keep asking this, like how how should the church respond when stuff like that happens? Like, and I'll I'll give you a, a good for instance the the rector of that particular um, church um, or the leader of that particular church. Mm-hmm. He, he came out with a pretty like harsh critique, basically saying like we don't like to kind of have our church be sort of the background of like violence against peaceful protesters, sure. you know, stuff like that. And yeah. he wasn't even aware that that was going to happen. Yeah. And actually he had other, I don't know what you, like what, what they call them nuns or something like, but the, the, the people that worked at the church were actually like kicked out. <laughs> like they're, they were working with like some like workers from the black lives matter movement, handing out water and snacks and stuff like that. And they were all basically gassed and rubber bulleted like out of the, out of the premises, you know? So, yeah. so the, the church leader of that church is like, that's not cool, man. You know, like, yeah, like yeah, what, are you, what, are, what are you doing? You know? And, and, and I did notice there was sort of like this, this course of other church leaders coming out and basically saying like, yeah, that was wrong. You know, like, disagree agree with the politics whatever you know but like to use you know land that you know was was set aside for worshipers and then to kick the church members off their own property you know oh yeah just to kind of get get your photo shoot like like in my opinion i'm just i i was like i'm surprised that there isn't like this universal outcry, you know, I'm talking yeah. like, like Bethel church, you know, <laughs> like passion city. Like, I'm just thinking like all yeah, these like big, what's going on. Yeah. Like where, where are you guys at? You know, like how come you got, you're not staying up. You, you have like huge, you know, like million congregants or whatever, you know, or the guy down in, what's the, what's the big uh, guy in Texas that with the jets and the, Oh, Ken Copeland. 
There's Kenny no, Copeland. No, no, no. Um, no oh, Joel Osteen. Yeah, Joel yeah, Osteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where are you at, Joel Osteen, if you're listening to the podcast, which I'm sure you are. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I'm just like, where are these where are these big faith leaders at? You know? Yeah. So, no, so. I completely, I, I honestly, I agree. I understand. Yeah. It was disturbing. It was at a minimum disturbing. Like, what's going on? And when we're talking about the church's response. Well, Phil, what did you want to say about it, dude? I know that you had. Well, it, you know, about that, like, you know, where the, the, the faith leaders on this, it's, uh, I mean, boy, that's such a, it, you know, it was wrong. I, I think most people w- would say they, they don't like how it happened. You know, I think that's a, a fair statement. Uh, but, man, I mean, you know, so many Christians are, um, you know, conservative, pro-Trump. I think you, uh, I mean, it, it would be a risky thing, right, wouldn't it, for a church leader to come and condemn that sort of action. I mean, they're con- a lot of the congregants probably wouldn't be a fan of that. Mm-hmm. That'd probably yeah. be a tough stance to take. Especially in the South. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. More so yeah. in the South. And yeah, I mean, for sure. I know there's, and there's people of all, you know, political stripes that attend church. I'm not trying to apply that, but you know, uh, yeah, certainly in the South and more traditional, you know, churches and body congregations, that would be a, that'd be a bold stance to take. It would be a bold stance to take. And you know, so I've been thinking about this, like what is the church's response? And I've actually done some study, like, I started looking into like what does the Bible say about writing? So it's funny, like I was actually trying to look into that. And so one of the the, the major passage is Acts nineteen. Hmm. And so what happens is um, Christianity is spreading so much that all these people are turning from idols and from paganism to to Christ, and it's affecting like uh, their business. And so this guy named Demetrius. Um, he's a metal worker and he comes and he gets this guild together and he says like, look, like this, the way, which is what they called Christianity at the time, it's like destroying our business. So if we don't do something, Artemis, which was one of the seven wonders of the world, the statue of Artemis in Ephesus, um, Artemis is going to be dishonored and, um, and we're going to lose money. So they essentially riled up like the city of Ephesus and they started like a riot. And it was interesting as I was reading it, it sounded so much like, like the stuff I was seeing on, um, on not, not like the cause, don't get me wrong on that, but just the whole idea and the whole atmosphere of this kind of protest um, where one, this guy, this Jewish individual from, uh, from Ephesus is trying to talk. His name is Alexander and they're screaming over him so he can't say anything and nobody can say anything. And eventually the town, the city clerk comes in and he calms things down. He says, look, um, uh, if you guys want to take Paul or any of these other people to courts, do that. But we're going to get accused of rioting and Rome's going to come in and they're not going to be happy um, <clears throat> with us today. And they basically disperse the riot. And I was thinking about this and, and why did Luke include that thing? in the book of Acts at all. And when I was thinking about it and looking into it, it was like this idea that, so Christianity and and Judaism were so closely aligned at that time, they weren't seen as anything different, certainly by the Roman government. And so what Luke was doing is he was saying, look, he was trying to actually show the people that were reading it that Christianity is not this religion that riots. It's not a, it's not one of these, 
Um, you know, it's not a religion that's going to cause problems. It's not like a movement that's going to, like, it's a legal movement. There's this idea of um, legal religions. And actually, the Roman government was very, they were very um, open to all sorts of religions. They actually made a lot of different um gave the Jewish people and Jewish religion a lot of privileges. Like they didn't have to, um, they didn't have to worship Caesar. They didn't have to go to the festivals and give sacrifices to pagan gods. They gave them an enormous amount of actually leeway in many, many ancient cities. And he was trying to come in and say, look, we're just like the Jewish people. Um, we're from them and we shouldn't have to, you know, be engaged in pagan practices or whatever, because we're not causing issues. And actually we're very peaceful as opposed to other, you know, as opposed to other ways of doing things. <clears throat> and as I was thinking about that and praying about that, one, one of the things that's come to my mind, and this is going to be kind of controversial, I'm sure. And that's okay. Uh, because I really believe in it. Um, the response of the church should not be like the response of secular organizations. It should not be like that. <clears throat> Number one, the gospel has always been a grassroots movement. Um, from the beginning, it was a grassroots movement, I should say. Um, and the true gospel, I believe, has always been a grassroots movement. Once Constantine came to power, the emperor in the fourth century, then it got power. Christianity gained power, and then it went top down. But in its beginning, in its first 300 years, in its culture, is always bottom up. And when it's bottom up, what you see is that the gospel spreads and it changes hearts. And those hearts begin to change culture. When a person's changed, they change the people around them and their circle of influence. And that begins to spread and that begins to change culture. What we have here, what I don't think the church should do, the church, as so as individual Christians... We can vote. We have a voice. We can be engaged in the political process. This isn't ancient Rome. This isn't ancient Greece. You know, this isn't the first century. We have these rights and these privileges as American citizens, and I think we should engage in those because we've been given those. They've been earned over time through a lot of bloodshed, through a lot of work, and, and centuries and centuries of history. We should engage in the political process. That being said, the church as a whole, its mission is not to um, be political. The church's mission has never been to be political. The church's mission has never been to back some kind of political party. That's not the church's mission, and it's never been. The church's mission has always been to make disciples of Jesus Christ and teach them to, uh, to obey everything that Christ has commanded them and to baptize them in the name of the Father, our Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that I'm worried about is that we get these things twisted. So we start to support candidates because we think that they will get, begin to make laws that will impose our ideals and our morals on people. Now, I, I, that's getting into a whole other topic that we don't have time, the nature of law, what it means, what's moral law, stuff like that. It's a great topic to talk about another time. When I'm thinking about the church's response, though, overall, we need to be focused, number one, on using the tools that God has given us. Number one, to become aware of um, the sin in our own lives, to repent for the sin of our own lives, to repent in this moment for the sin of racism. Um, I personally believe 
that if the white church and the black church, the Caucasian African-American churches in leadership can come together and they can show unity and they can pray and they can bring that unity, that is going to be healing. And in particular in Richmond, which is the capital of the Confederacy, I do think that racism is the original sin of America. I think the American form of government was brilliant. It was amazing. It was an experiment. Um, I, I believe in it as I read it, but I, I can't help but be disturbed and hurt and just, um, yeah, just, I mean, just taken back by, um, by the way that we ignored um, the plight of African-American slaves and the way that we treated minorities in this country. Um, racism, I believe, is one of the deepest sins and most profound sins of the American culture. Um, and I think the church needs to lead the way in repenting for racism, which means confessing it, repenting it, coming in humility, and using the tools that God has given us to make change. What's not going to happen is lobbying. What's not going to happen is giving all our money to this candidate. That's not going to, that's not going to give the change we want. If we truly want change, what's going to happen, how that's going to happen in my belief is through the gospel spreading, people becoming models of number one, how to have conversations, how to talk. That's part of the reason I know God's called me to do this podcast is can we model a way to have difficult conversations for Christians to have hard conversations about abortion, about same-sex marriage, about homosexuality, about race, about all the different things that we talk about, that it's almost like we've gotten to this place like, oh, we don't even know what to do, but just get in our shell and mm-hmm. not worry. And uh, as long as we can get the right candidates in there, then we can be okay. Yeah. I do think that we're responsible for our vote and to be righteous in our vote. At the same time, we are to be, I think we are called to be apolitical. Mm-hmm. Our citizenship is higher. Yeah. And our priorities are higher than American citizenship. Although, although the, well, two, two points. One, I think the original sin is probably theft because of all the other. <laughs> ah! No, is, I, I understand. Just, just my point. <laughs> um, and, and then second, like, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, my, my only, I guess, counter argument or pushback would be like everything you say just isn't reflected in the, in today's politics, you know, I mean, like yes, every, no every, doubt. every Christian, you know, feels like they have to identify with, cons- with the conservative party and support Trump, even when it's not, when he doesn't deserve their support, you know, and it's, it's, it's sad, you know, it like, like I consider myself a Christian, uh, but I don't support Trump. I mean, maybe on some things, but like the no, the, I understand what you like mean. The the reason that I'm not going to vote for Trump in 2020 isn't necessarily for any other reason except I just think he's bad for America, um, and a lot of it's tied to Russia. But that's a whole other like podcast in itself. <laughs> podcast and a half, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So if, for for those that want to nerd out about Russia stuff, just hit me up on Facebook. But. Um, but uh, but no, I, I I appreciate your 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 thoughts. Uh, uh, did you have any uh, uh any thoughts about that film? Um, nothing in the <laughs> you know I, I would say that the I, I think certainly the church has a responsibility and a place uh to take here. Um, and I don't it, it's tough because um, I'll, and again I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go ramble on and on. We're probably tight on time here. Um, there's uh. It, 
I don't know what that looks like, but I, I think the church can't shy away. We can't say well, this will happen outside the church and we'll just be happy when we're all a, a more healed people. I think I think kind of like Josh was saying, as you know, Christians, as leaders, you know, pastors, leaders of church, um, you know, people that have different roles or even just congregants. I mean, we have a role to join uh, to try to link up with our brothers and sisters that are African American, if we're white, or, or vice versa. I mean, it, it's I think it's a time to come together and show unity. Um, and try to support uh, because I mean we're not I mean you know, if we're all all Christians all part of the same body you know then then we need you know I hope we can start to act more like that and and um, just be more unified I guess yeah and like and 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 I, and I agree with that I, I I think and I and I know I've had this conversation with Josh and actually I've had it with a lot of, whole lot of pastors and like the world knows where Christians stand on certain issues right. because the church goes out of their way to make sure that people people know, know yeah. but but the church doesn't go out of its way to let people know on other things that aren't like sort of the top two, you know, like, like, so with the issue of race, you right. know, and racism, yeah. I mean, same, same thing. Like, I, I think that there was a poll on Facebook where, where the question was like, like, how would you judge sort of the church's performance in this time? And I was really surprised. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, really poor, you know? Like, and, and like, <laughs> yeah. and I, I was looking to see what people were, were, were clicking. And it was like, most of them were all Christians, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, that's, that's something, you know? Like, yeah. and, and it's, if we are part of the body of the church and we think it's poor, then, you know, one, we should probably go out there and do something about it because if we are the body, we should, we should take personal initiative too. Like we should put pressure on our pastors, you know, to just be vocal, to just right. say, Hey, like you are the representative of the church, you right. know, like you speak for the church, you know, yeah. like, like sure. it yeah. would be awesome for you just to say, Hey, don't hate black people. Right. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't have to go support Antifa, but we can yeah, say yeah. black lives matter. Yeah. That's an okay thing to say. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, and, 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 and I, you know, like I've never ran a church. So like, obviously I'm, I'm quarterback. I'm, you know, what's the word? Chair. Armchair Arm chair quarterback. quarterback. That too. Yeah. And, yes. uh, you know, so, so, so I don't know what kind of external pressures, you know, leaders of church really have to sort of like contend with to make those types of decisions. But, you know, I've been a part of a church at least since 2008. And, and it's one of the things I've always kind of struggled with in my Christian faith is that mm. like, like I love, I love everybody. And, and I, yeah. I can call bad things bad like i voted for obama but like he was no angel you know like i can list off half a dozen things that he did that were equally if not as bad as what trump's done so 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 it's it's one of those things where you know so now as a christian like i come out and speak against trump you know and i've had people just say well like how dare you speak against the prophet? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not necessarily that. Dude, that does drive me nuts because I've seen like guys like Obama's not a Christian and say, oh, "How can you?" I'm, here's the thing, dude. Mm -hmm. How can you say Obama isn't a Christian and then say Trump is? Mm -hmm. I don't get it, dude. I just don't get it, yeah. or vice versa, dude. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. like, look, I I don't trust politicians. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. I don't trust politicians, period. And we're in this. Yeah, I mean, I think we do need to have a healthy amount of skepticism and distrust for our government. Um, but I just, that would drive me crazy. And I, I never forget this. Like, I knew people when Obama got reelected were in tears. And then I knew people when Trump got elected were in tears. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, like, 
we're so divided. Yeah. And yes. I think the Trump, right. I mean, the Trump, oh my gosh, <laughs> the church has not done well to unite mm. people. Um, and that's absolutely what's needed. And I do, can I say one more thing mm. of caution? Mm. <clears throat> Here's what I encourage everyone. Now, now I want to say something that's very controversial or could be. Again. The phrase, <laughs> again, Black Lives Matter is a very important phrase. I agree with it 100%. Can you do 110%? And people can question me on that, whatever they want, depending on my posts, and that's fine. But I believe in that. Racism is evil, it's a sin. Systematic and systemic racism is evil, and it's a sin. I want to caution everybody to be careful about the organizations or not organizations, the movement. So Black Lives Matter does have a website. Yeah. You can go on and you can look at what they believe. Yeah. Go, Christians, go look at what they believe. I actually posted for the first time in my life the phrase Black Lives Matter. I yeah. talked about that last week yeah. on my Instagram. And then and that, that was something I thought about. Not because I don't believe that, yeah. but because of the political ramifications of that. Yeah. Um, Go and look at what they say and then ask yourself, is this biblical? Because the Christian's highest authority is not a movement. It's not any other movement but the gospel. If you're yellow, black, or white, you're precious in his sight, right? Jesus loves the little children of the world. No matter who they are, your highest authority is, is, is the scriptures and the gospels, as far as I'm concerned, and, and is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you go to that and you say, okay, what of these things can I agree with? Because one of the things I'm wondering, and I've seen many, 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 many pastors, of course, including myself and Christians, begin to say that phrase, which again is awesome. In our, in our current context, you cannot separate that from this organization, movement, whatever it is that has come out. You can't separate it in our current culture because they've, man, I wish, anyway, it would have been awesome if the church would have come out and said that, right? right. From yeah. the beginning. It would have been great if we were championing that, but we right. we, we, we didn't do that. that. Yeah. We missed that one. And that was that was bad. Yeah. Um, but look at what they say and just make sure we can love them. But and what I'm doing is it is it aligning myself with something that on one hand is doing really good things, which I think they have, but on the other hand. If they got fulfillment of all the things that they're saying they believe in, would God be pleased with that? Now, personally, I don't think everything that they've listed on there, God would be. Now, that's up for debate, and I get that. But I think as a critical, critically thinking Christian, to go look at that and say, before I start posting these things, do I understand what I'm even posting? I don't know if you have any response to that, but I thought that was... Important for me. To yeah, say. I was. I, I'm wondering, like, so as a Christian, like, is it okay for me to change my profile pic to a black picture? I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd have to say yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already black. So like, do I, like, do I need to do something different, or just keep my current like picture up there? I don't know. Anyways, we will end on that. Um, and uh, so thanks again, Josh, for um, your wise words. Thank you, Phil, for gracing us with your presence. And your, You're welcome, man. And your, and your snarkiness. And you weren't, you weren't nearly as 
um, controversial tonight. I know. Yeah, I was I, hoping I, it'd I be more to, controversial. Look, I tried to tone it down. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. With you. <laughs> All, you can, we're, we're gonna cut this off. I'm about to get really controversial. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hey, we can, you can send all hate mail to yes, no. Yes. What is your email? Um, no, it's, my. It's, 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 it's <laughs> Phil. Phil <laughs> D. McKinney. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and you can send all donations yeah, to yeah, 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 to our Patreon page. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyways, but yeah, thanks guys, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. All right, bye.